This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. In today's episode, we've got a career crisis expert. I'm telling you, no one knows it like this guy. His name is Glenn James from the My Millennial Money podcast. And today, they'll be talking about what to do when you don't know what to do, but you feel like you're in too deep. Do you push through? Do you make a move? What would you even do? Glenn? Just as a heads up, we recorded this episode pre-COVID. But if you found yourself out of work or on reduced hours, then this episode is for you. I know a lot of people right now are thinking through how they make big changes in their career. And so today's episode... We're going to be exploring how you can do just that. Hope you enjoy the show and thanks for hanging out. Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name is Shelley and I'm a HR professional. Hey, Em. Hi, Shell. I'm Emily and I am a recruitment professional. I work at Forsyth's Recruitment and HR. Recruitment professional among heaps of other hats that you wear. Yeah, there's a few hats. So I'm really excited about today's episode because we're talking about what to do when you have a quarter life career crisis. Whether you know it or not. Whether you know it or not. And we have our resident expert in managing a crisis, our president and CEO, Glenn James. (laughs) What up, gangsters? That sounds so American. I know. President and CEO. I know. That's why we've done. Well, Mm. you you know, I feel like you're a bit of a pseudo-American. You love America. Oh, I, actually, the older I get, the less I love it. But you always seem to be there. It's just because it's where the action is. Right. Okay. Well, if you don't know Glenn, he runs the My Millennial Money podcast. So who better to talk about a quarter life career crisis than someone who has survived through it? Exactly. And d- maybe more than once? Yeah. How many times? Well, I've, I'm onto my third career, if you will. And so. how old are you? Is it confidential? It's confidential. Ah, uh, 28. Basically, yeah. I'm, I'm in my mid to early 30s. More, <laughs> more mid than not. <laughs> right. Well, welcome. Thanks yes. for having me. Welcome to our podcast, Glenn. Thank you for having me. I feel honoured to be your first ever guest. You are. So, uh, look, today we are going to talk about... That time in your career when you're looking for a big and significant career change. Again, maybe you haven't worked that out yet, but some things we discussed today could resonate and you could realise that you're going through a crisis yourself. So, Glenn, you've got some great insights on changing careers because, as we've said, you've had three of them, uh, still in your third. Can you tell us a bit about your story? Yeah, so when I left school at age 16 and I did the... I did year 11 and decided that school wasn't for me and the only way I was to leave school with, I guess, the permission and blessing of my parents was if I got a trade, so actual study and a trade. And What was the trade in? Telecommunications. Oh, yeah. So all the telephone systems in, like, your office, 
that you transfer people and we did all that stuff and and that was really cool like i i did that but i would always had this passion uh about personal finance and investing and all that stuff so i guess as i got into that trade i realized that it probably wasn't for me long term right now that wasn't a i'm quitting my apprenticeship today it was like long term i know this is not what i want to do how did you know I think it's just, well, for me, it was a practical thing. I didn't want to be carrying around a ladder and working on tools when I was older in life, Mm -hmm. number one. And number two, I know as a hands-on trades person, you can only really trade your time for money. So, you can't create income streams while you sleep. So, I mean, that's probably a freakish thing for a 17, 18-year-old to be thinking of when they're completing their trade, but I believe nothing's wasted and the stuff that I learned in that trade in the very influential years of my life, I still use today. I don't think anything is wasted because I've been to your house and I've seen the uh, Wi-Fi enabled activity the lights oh yeah i've got all home integration that's so awesome like you've been holding back on me i need a little demo it's like you go in there and you're like uh, turn the lights purple and then boom (laughs) so yeah so i think that was kind of the first thing i knew i didn't want to do it long term so after the apprenticeship uh, a little bit after that ending i pursued my career in financial planning And, you know, that kind of went for five years. And then I started my own business in financial planning. And then that went for just under 10 years. And now at the time of this recording, I'm basically a full-time podcaster. And so, do you just get bored easily? Is that the pattern? Yeah, that's basically the pattern. I thought so, right. I achieve a certain thing and then, okay, move on. So... You've just moved through 15 years super quick. Can I just go back mm-hmm. one sec? Did you... So, you finished your telecommunications apprenticeship. Yeah. And then immediately after, you moved straight into financial planning. Yeah. So, immediately after that, I kind of... It was really weird. I had to get an ankle operation. And people know I've had recent ankle operations, but they all started when I was 16, 17, 18. Like, the eight operations that I've had have basically been all my adult life. And so, at the time... I had to take an extended leave from work. So, like, three months off work. So, it was kind of cool because, like, slowed me down onto the lounge, chilling, could really think. And I think that's a, a lesson in itself. Like, if you are confused, can you retreat somewhere for some time just to collect your thoughts to actually work out right. whether it's the pizza and Coke from last night that's making you crazy <laughs> or are you actually after something else? Sure. So, it was after having three months off, I kind of did some research and decided that I would commence some study, uh, a diploma of financial planning. Okay. And then, yeah, I pursued that. And did you immediately get a job? No, it was a son of a biatch to get a job because it was entry level. And you didn't have our podcast to listen to. I didn't have your podcast to Mm. listen to. And (laughs) yeah, the whole getting the job story was a, a whole story in itself. It was not easy. But I had to start at the bottom and work my way up the top. So, that's a really interesting point about starting at the bottom. One of the things that we here, Em and I have talked about this quite a lot, where you are in a career for some time. You might be in your late 20s, early 30s. You've kind of got to maybe a management 
level and you're wanting a career change. And the pivot can cost you. Yeah. And maybe you've dumped a bunch of money and time into study too. Yeah, like a hundred grand. <laughs> yep, university. <laughs> and so how then do you navigate that significant, um, I suppose, drop in terms of maybe status, maybe the nature of the role? In Income. Order? Yeah. Yeah, I think if you are in a position that requires a pivot, whether it's a different career, and a lot of the time it will be a different career as opposed to a different job in that field, like we crap on all the time on My Millennial Money about having your cash flow, your spending plan, no consumer debt, you're running lean because it's going to be harder to change and reduce your expenses if you've got payments and your life's a financial mess. So number one, that's a really hard thing to start the transition. So what I would say is if there is a reduction in income that's going to happen, it just means it needs to be planned for and it just needs that maybe you need to have a longer time frame because if you've got expenses that can't change, like if you've got kids' education or if you've got a house payment or something like that, you're going to need a bit of a cash buffer maybe to tide you over for six months. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people don't do that because they don't plan, but practically speaking, the long and the short of it is it's easier if you don't have a credit card debt that you can't shake. It's easier if you don't have a car loan. It's easier if your cash flow is more agile. So if easier is another way almost of describing less risky as well, particularly when you're talking financially, were there other risks that you were considering or that made you nervous in making that change? Yeah, the risk is, and I probably didn't do it because I was probably 20, 21 years old. Like I didn't know anything at the time. I still don't. But I guess the risk was I'm going to do this. I kind of jumped and I had the benefit of living at home still. And it didn't really matter if I landed in two meters or 10 meters because my expenses were quite low anyway, uh, living at home. So again, the older you get, the more complex your life becomes. The fact of life is it's harder. And that's why if you are listening, if you're under 30 years old and you don't know what you want to do, you need to keep your cash flow agile, lean, don't overcommit to crap for the long term. If you're not 100% confident where you're at with your career, because if you need to make an adjustment, the best investment is in you. And if that means not investing in a, a rental property or shares for two years until you get yourself in the right position, I think you'll find that's a better investment. Totally. I think well, I was reading this McCrindle article that talks about how Gen Ys will have 17 jobs are 17 employers over their lifetime and five career changes. So I think if you're not already planning for a quarter life crisis, no, it is coming because <laughs> you're going to have multiple career changes. I love what you're saying around planning for that in terms of your money to enable you to move from maybe management level to possibly the bottom so that you can work your way up, but you're forming that career that you love rather than getting stuck in a job that you hate. And I think you've talked quite a lot, Glenn, about this concept about Mondays. Can you just tell us what that looks like? Yeah. And it's an insulting concept. And when I say it publicly, it's a bit cringy, but you know, Mondays don't suck. Your life sucks <laughs> because Mondays don't have feelings or emotions. <laughs> yeah. 
surprise. No, mm. but I mean, and that's like for me when I did, uh, I call it retiring from the workforce and started my own business, which is kind of a bit of a sub career change anyway, because there's risks involved in that. And that was like starting from scratch, from having an income going to back to zero, like even more risky. So we could talk for hours about transitioning. And maybe we need to do an episode about transitioning from employed to self-employed yeah. because it's such an important career move for a lot of people. Add it to the list. So I lost my train of thought. What was I saying? You were saying, I've, yeah. <laughs> what was he saying, Em? <laughs> um, Sorry. What is, you- we started with Mondays suck. No, they don't. Yeah. I say I retired from the workforce when I was 25 and I just do what I love now. After I quit my job and was self-employed, I basically never, ever had Monday-itis. Mm. Like, you you have crap days and you you get sad or you get, you're get you in a bad mood. Like, how many times do you just wake up and your whole day's a write-off? Like, we're all people. <laughs> sure. But that, I'm dreading going to work. Yeah. Because those days when I was self-employed, guess what? I didn't go. <laughs> so, did you, to the emotion piece, so often... Well, more often than not, I'd suggest people who are going through that quarter life career crisis, they're crying every night before they have to go to work or on a Sunday night before they have to go to work on Monday. They don't love their job. They're feeling flat. They're feeling like they're just disengaging. Was there an emotional component to all of this for you? Was it more practical? It was For me, it was more practical. Like I was commuting an hour or so to Sydney from the Central Coast. I knew that I I could start a viable business on the coast so for me it was and i was sick of like i I left the workforce because of the same reason i left school i didn't want to sit there and be told what to do all day because life's too short yeah like that's just my view but i think if i could talk to someone who is like you say am who's going to bed sad tonight crying and we've all got friends and it could if you don't have a friend it's probably you you've been (laughs) the one who have been crying about your job and the stress I think you first need to work out, is the stress induced because you work with a toxic individual next to you or Mm. on your team? Like if you're a nurse, do you hate nursing because your team are toxic individuals or do you actually hate nursing? So I think it's very important to highlight and try and workshop. And if you've got to go to a counsellor for a couple of sessions, just spend the money and have a third-party sounding board just to get to the root cause well, I, of why I, you're itchy. I would dare say that from what you're telling us, you've been able to make practical or pragmatic decisions because you know yourself well and you've actually gone through a process, even when you're on the couch for three months after surgery, delineating between the environment that you're in versus what you're actually doing. And so you're making rational, level-headed decisions. Yeah, and... Because of my personality, I'm an Enneagram 8 for any of those who are playing that game. I mean, pragmatic is in my nature. Like, I came out of the womb, like, (laughs) saying, all right, we're going to the kids' ward for three days or do you want me to go straight home? Like, (laughs) I was born this way. (laughs) Like, (sighs) So, yes, I am pragmatic. And the weird thing is for my life and career... Yes, my life has been littered with ankle operations. Every single time I've had an ankle operation, there has been a key life event that I've made a decision on. And the reason is it slowed my personality down. 
Mm. Left the apprenticeship, started my own business. Like these when I made the decisions, left a bad business deal, decided to transition to podcasting. It's crazy. And I think once you work out how you operate as a person, you can kind of game it around that. I think as well, this space is such an important part of decision making. So having the space to consider what are all the options. And the thing that some people need to be reminded of, you have options. You're not stuck. There are so many different strategies or maybe opportunities that are open to you that you can take up. But having the space to consider rather than just doing a 50 hour week and feeling like you're trapped, looking at what's, what's available out there for you. Mm, and like anything, whether you're a graphic designer and somebody comes to you and says, I need a logo for my business. Like they're going to go, okay, well, okay, let's just work out, you know, what are you doing? What's the flavor? What type of client do you want? Or whether you're, you know, want to invest. Like a lot of people write into My Millennial Money and say, I want to invest in shares. It's like, okay, back the truck up three steps. What do you want your life to look like? What's the strategy? When changing careers or a job, the execution is the pretty clinical easy part. I think it all goes back to, like you said before, the strategy, having a bit of a long ramp and planning it out and being methodical because being methodical and having a written strategy, even if it's, I need to write down 10 steps I need to make to make a career change. And the first one might be, I've got to get rid of the personal loan. Mm. I've got to do X. We need to move into a rental closer to the city. Like, how do you eat an elephant? <laughs> so what? Do you know how to? <laughs> do you? Yeah. Have you not heard that before? Okay. How do you eat an? How do one you eat one bite at a time? Yeah. Okay. yeah. I mean, let's just <laughs> don't eat an elephant. Number one, but <laughs> let's just let's just bring it all back down and methodically write out a bit of a game plan. And if you're really confused and you don't even know the angst within you, go spend $110 for a session with a counsellor. And when you were that little bit older and you're making that transition from finance to media, was that a more, I guess, what did you do differently because you'd been through it before or because you had a little bit of like extra life Yeah, experience? so I was pretty resilient. Resilient? I was pretty resilient to risk. Right. So for me... Being self-employed, you wake up every day without a client. You wake up every day without a job. So you've got to actually... And it took me so long to get into that, I guess, risk tolerance. But for me, the career change into podcasting and media, it was a classic side hustle. Right. So I had my financial planning business. I was doing the podcasting on the side. So it sounds like it was more of a transition than a stop one thing, start the next, but still with a game plan. Absolutely. And... What I found was once the side hustle really took off, the transition really took care of itself. Mm. So, Glenn, because you're quite risk tolerant, what would you say for a person that uh, at the moment uh, they're wanting a change, but firstly, they don't know what the change is? So, a good friend of mine was chatting to me the other day. She's in a job and she spent about a hundred grand on her uni mm. but she's now been in it for almost 10 years and like i want out but she doesn't know what she wants to do and she's not as risk tolerant mm. as you how, how should she approach it 
Yeah, firstly, on that, like, I've got many friends and we know them and you might be that person yourself. You've just gone straight from school, straight to university, into a degree. Oh, I'm now working two years in this field. I actually hate it because I made the decision when I was 17 year old (laughs) and I was a kid and here I am now. So, I think what we need to do is, and again, I always resort because for me, because I am so... I live in my head. That's my biggest problem. I've been learning to write things down and I've done that for so long just to get it out of my head. I think if you're in that position where you're not loving life, could you just make something up? As in, I'm working as, I'll use the word nurse because we've got a lot of nurses who listen um, and it's a government job So and it's very much going to be around forever basically. So if you're a nurse and you're not loving it, could you just make something up? I want to become a photographer or I want to become a truck driver, whatever that is. And then write down what are the risks if it doesn't go to plan, if I quit my job. Right. So then if we write down the risks, it could be I run out of money. Okay. So then we go, okay, well, we need a cash buffer. I might let my nursing license lapse. I don't even know if there's a nursing license or whatever. (laughs) So, okay, well, do we, because that costs $400 a year, do I just keep that license active Mm. for a couple of years? Yeah, I guess I I like the question of regardless if there's a license or not, if this new idea doesn't work out, is my current career something I can go back to? And that's what I, and then, yeah, so the risk is like I won't have a job, but okay, let's write that down. Well, I can be a casual nurse. So, what we need to do is take it from the extreme scenarios that cripple us with fear and anxiety, write them down and actually get it out of our head because our mind plays tricks on us, write down next to it, I won't have a job to go back to. Well, you will because you can get casual work. You will because you can go and pack shells at Big W at night. It's going to be tight because I might have to take a pay cut. Well, I need to get out of debt first. Yeah. So, I think it's all about getting it out there and only talking with people who are truly in your corner. Right. Don't mention it to one of your friends of a friend over brunch who are going, oh, that's a bad idea. That will never happen. When I told my boss that I was going to leave, actually never said this publicly, but I'm here now to start my own business. And this is someone I looked up to and who trained me. He said, you'll never do it. Wow. You'll never be able to do it. I don't know why I'm pointing. (laughs) (laughs) Just going to stand back and let this play out. (laughs) So, could you imagine you've gone in to resign and they've called you in? Oh, so what do you know? I'm going to start my own business. And the person who's like, you will never do it. So, that to say, I mean, it's kind of hard to stop anything from your boss. But in your friendship circles, like if you had a dream or goals to do a project or something... You just don't want to be around negativity and negative people. I like the idea of organizing your thoughts in that list because essentially what you're doing is going risk, risk, risk. So problem, problem, problem. And then you're brainstorming all the possible solutions. You don't have to pick one yet. No. But just get them out on paper. What are the... And then you'll start to see from a positivity point of view, you're growing optimism because you're realizing for every problem slash risk, you've got potentially three, four, five, six solutions and you'll find one that works for you well it's like you know at the time of recording i don't know when this is going to go up every supermarket's got no freaking toilet paper (laughs) because people have got this dumb thing in their mind that the world's ending but okay let's get it and look at the facts 
the facts are, it's basically like the normal influenza. If you're really old and not well, you'll probably die from that or coronavirus. <laughs> the facts, are, you know what I mean? Like, let's just, let's just get it out of our head and look at the facts. And I think what you're saying there is fear and anxiety can create irrational yeah. and they can create irrational behaviors when really when you spell it out and you look at it you you can go you know what i do have like m set options solutions to the problems at hand and as well like it, i didn't know at the time and i've shared this a few times on my podcast i had like really bad depression and anxiety all through my 20s and didn't know it so i think now when i because basically what that means if you're if there's for those people, because there will be people listening who might be like this and don't know they need to go and speak to their GP. So, if zero's, I hate life, the show's over, and 10 is, I live on like, clouds of rainbows and unicorns and sunflowers, the normal human, I think it's healthy. This is just me being really blah about this. Most people would just usually float along on a six. So, they have a happy day and it goes up to 10. Something crap happens, it might go down to four, but they're not ever hitting zero. Someone with depression or anxiety, they might naturally be vibing a three and a half and four. I was very, very melancholy anyway. So when something bad happened or negative thoughts got in my mind, it threw me down past zero. So the medication just gives you that life vest that lifts you up to a, a bobbing little six. So that's a factor with the taking risks. Mm, have you got something clinically that is one well and again if you're clinically not well does your actual job or career actually suck or is it internal and the other thing i i guess i'm thinking about as you're talking to that point is work is just one component of your life as well so if you're feeling that sense of am i actually happy here would the grass be greener elsewhere you do need that space and that head space to actually evaluate what's going on in your world, what's going on in your life and not think of this magic wand as work. Yeah, and I, and I think as well, it's like, what do I want my life look like in five or 10 years? Okay, well, where I am today, it can't happen. So what do I have to change? Yeah, totally. I think I'm interested, both Glenn and Em. so going back to that example of, good friends working in the same, this industry for a long time. She's over it. She knows she's done her sense check. It's not just the environment, it's the job and the career. What kinds of things could you do to find out what your new opportunity might be? Ask yourself and get a bit of pen and paper and I always go back to this. If you did not need money, what would you do? What would you want to do if you did not need to generate an income? Yeah, right. I'd be looking at, same thing, write it down, what are your strengths? And some ways to try and understand your own strengths are what are those things that people give you compliments on all the time? What do people come to you for? What do you find is really easy? So it's really energizing as opposed to draining. You don't even think twice about it. You just seem to do well at it. Uh, And then the other thing I would do is research. And research can be conversations with people. So something you don't know about, a career you don't know about, but you know somebody who does it, just go and ask them about it. Explore. Yeah. And if I can also add to that, Shell, when you said um, ask about Mm. it, like my mentor who I'm just about to interview for the My Millennial Money podcast, uh, his name's Macca. We'll probably put it in the title. So if you're listening to this and you want to listen to it, 
when I was 24 and he was kind of my mentor, I said, oh, I want to start my own business because I knew I wanted to start my own business. And I said, I'm not good at anything. He's like, what do you mean? You're a specialist at what you're doing and probably one of right. the youngest financial advisors in Australia at the moment. So for me, it's like I had this self-doubt that I couldn't actually do it myself. Mm. And I took someone else who wasn't a negative Nancy mm. to speak that into me. And that's why I'm s- such a fan of, I guess they call it talk therapy, mm. to go to a counsellor who's a third party. And I've just read the book, uh, 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. And he's so polarizing, but hang in there. He basically said with talk therapy, what happens is it's like if you had a pile of $100 notes and most of them were fraudulent, but there was like three or four legitimate $100 notes. He says, what happens is when you're doing talk therapy, it's like you're getting that pile and laying them all out on the table. And then together we go through and sift through and find the gold. Right. So, and I've been going to the counselor, I've told you over lunch, just third party. I'm just diary what's on my mind to get it out. And it gives you great clarity. And I think it's really good to identify what are those self-talk negative things that I cycle through my mind that I just believe are truth. And you can get a different person to come in and go, whoa, that is completely outrageous. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, what, what is, I, I get really bothered by this sense sentiment. It's on maths a lot. If you watch maths, you'll, maths, you'll hear it. Does anyone watch maths? Oh I will goodness. never admit it on record. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love terrible reality TV. So but they I. say this so thing, I. I've just got to tell you my truth. And I can appreciate that, yeah, my truth. But I think actually sometimes there's just truth and being able to identify my internal dialogue may not be the truth. Yeah, well, like my truth is I can jump on top of this building and jump off and fly. Because that's my truth, Shelley. <laughs> there's a different bit- but- difference between facts well, and it's reality truth. and yeah. gravity. It exists. <laughs> I mean, it's nice that you've got an opinion, Glenn, that you can jump off the roof, but you're wrong. Yeah. I have heard of those, Shell, called limiting beliefs, and yeah. we all have them. And they are things that, again, I, I totally agree with you, Glenn. Get it out of your head because it can be your biggest enemy. Put it on paper, leave it there. But also that allows you to look at it and go, that's a limiting belief. It's actually limiting me. How can I switch it and then practice more of a self-fulfilling belief or a positive belief? And I think the problem is as well, like, I don't even know what the topic of this episode is. It's like, is it- Quarter life crisis. Yeah, and like- um, (laughs) Career crisis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, career crisis. But who knows? We're starting to just go down the quarter life crisis. No, but realistically, it's all intertwined because you spend most of your bloody time at work. So, if you're not happy, you've got big issues. But it's interesting. We've spent a lot of time. We actually really haven't chatted about a silver bullet step. It's actually, if you step back and look in at this conversation, it's all around mindset and... I think we grow up in a society that tells us that life is this linear conveyor belt, go to school, study, get a job, don't leave. It's bad if you take risks. Don't take risks. Well, even your friend, what was your friend's name? Marie. Marie. So but we'll call her Marie because okay. she doesn't want to be publicly named. Oh, good one. Okay, my apologies. So She's a great person. <laughs> <laughs> She's cute. She's great. Don't do that on She's the best. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, Marie, I think... I'm feeling like it, she's almost putting 
too much pressure on herself and forcing that need for answers, the need for things to be neat and tidy in her life, where actually it's like you just embrace the mess. You don't want to get to a point where you are crying before you go to work every day, but certainly take the pressure off, be patient, let this play out over the next 12 months while you research, explore your own self, organize your thoughts, find solutions, test and experiment. I think test and experiment's a big one, Em, even in terms of connecting with people who are in particular roles where you might want to do, say, financial advising, coming and spending two weeks of your annual leave with, say, Glenn to get a really deep dive understanding. It might then make you go, oh, heck no, I don't want to do that. Or, yes, I absolutely do. Go back to work experience, do a bit of work experience or go to some networking events that are specific to a different industry, perhaps. I think it's also, I guess what I've done, everything I've done in my life and career, I try and do the opposite of what most people do. And that's given me results. Mm. You could put that on a mug with a quote, Glenn James, do the opposite of what everyone does. Yeah. And maybe we do will it. after this episode. <laughs> Might do it, just saying. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm I'm conscious I'm conscious of your time, Glenn. Thanks, Shell. <laughs> Very expensive. <laughs> you, get, the budget. you get what you pay for and you're over. Now I've got one last question for you. Yes. So what is your one piece of advice or one or two? I'll give you I'll give you max, one, minimum of one, maximum of two pieces of advice for someone sitting at their desk right now. They might be hating their career or their job and they're too afraid to make a change. My one piece of advice is you can make the change. You've just got to work through the downsides that are in your mind that probably seem real and a lot of them are but understanding the downside risk and how to manage that number one and then my other piece of advice is you've just got to unplug from the mindset of society saying that you've got to keep a nine-to-five job you've got to do things a certain way because it sounds really philosophical and dumb but we're flying through space at millions of miles an hour on a speck of dirt (laughs) what actually matters you know what i mean who cares just go and do it if the worst goes happened just go get a job somewhere else like it's okay and if you've got other priorities and financial goals like we want to save for a house or i want to save for this just keep renting and focus on you and your career first nice so have the investment of you as your first big investment because if you're happy and you're performing well, that's a very good performing investment. And if you worked for a couple of years in a a job that you don't like and then changed, even if you took a 10 grand pay cut, then got experienced in a job or a career that you're passionate in, that investment return, it might be 20 or 30%. And you can't get that from a rental property investment each year. Yeah, that's good. It's a good way to look at it. Glenn, thank you. It's been real. And you may get an invite back in the future. We'll Well, see. Thank you. And it has been your pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, uh, you can go. (laughs) All right, Shell, now we got rid of the riffraff. Uh, we uh, have a little horror story or a fairy tale today. What it's are we doing? It's a career fairy tale today. Yay, lovely. Yeah, so this story it was sent through from Candace in Brisbane 
and she's told us her career fairy tale. She was working in architecture for the last five years in a small consulting business with a really flat management structure and she's loved the company but knew there was no promotional opportunities for her. So she saw a more senior role advertised at another firm and she wasn't going to go for it but she listened to the career goals episode where we talked about you don't need to meet the full criteria, you just need to meet roughly 70, 80% of the criteria. And so she took the plunge and went for the role and she ended up landing it. So she got the job, she has made the change into a more senior role and she's loving the environment and the company. So awesome, Candice, we love hearing your story and we love hearing career fairy tales. So please send them through via My Millennial Money Facebook group or via our Instagram, My Millennial Money. Yeah, you've got to be in it to win it. So thank you for proving that true, Candice, and then sharing your story with us. Congratulations. Love it. All right, see you next time, Em. See you, guys. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.